towards the light. Okay, two things right off the bat. Uh, for people that are going to be distracted by my accent and, and trying to figure out who I am, where I come from, I'm going to just take care of that so that you can actually concentrate on the Word of God. Okay, so I come from South Africa. I was born to an East Indian father and an Italian and Scottish mother in apartheid South Africa. So for a long time, my identity was suspended in a nation where your value was given to you by the color of your skin. And But I was so thankful that my father who was an idol-worshipping East Indian man, who the very first, when he, when he got his p uh, paycheck, the very first thing he did was buy fruit and a special drink, and he would go to his god lamp, and he would offer the sacrifice to this idol god. And, god. and then God met him. And I have not seen many salvations like that, that Damascus Road experience, where basically my dad was knocked over from his horse, riding on his own life, and had an encounter with God where he changed, literally changed, and was transformed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And this man would worship God with the same passion and fervency that he did when he worshipped his idols. And when asked of him, why, why do you do this, George? And he would turn to the people and he said, if I could worship idols, who were dead stone structures with that passion and discipline, how much more should I worship more fervently and passionately a living God who transformed me from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light? Amen? And so if I can do anything this morning is I want to inject into your life a passion and a desire for the things of God that will so shift you, right? My job, I know what I'm called to do. I am called to comfort the afflicted, and I'm called to afflict the comfortable. Those who are, if you're comfortable, I'm here to conflict you. I'm here to shift you. I'm here to challenge you. I want to make sure that seat gets so hot that you have to change. Because why do we come to church if we don't want to change? Okay? Then, uh, so anyway, that describes who I am, why I speak with this accent, and if you're concerned and worried, yes, I dress this way in South Africa as well. <laughs> I didn't wear skins, and I wasn't roaming the jungles. <laughs> yeah. The other thing is my daughters often say, Mom, when you speak, sometimes you get so intense, you look so serious. And, uh, and they, her, their friends would come into our house, and I would joke with them, and they go, Mom, they don't know you're joking. So sometimes I get intense, but literally I am joking, so it's okay to laugh and interact with me. I'm okay with that, all right? I just want to kind of get a comfort level here, right? And then there's two other things. My husband asked me this morning, what can I do to help you get ready? And I go, I don't know. He says, do you think a Mexican wave would, hel would help? So I'm going to ask you, if you see him get up and start a Mexican wave, do not follow him. <laughs> and then the other thing I'm going to ask you to do is allow me to be obedient to the Spirit of God. Okay? I'm going to look at some of your faces and I'm going to go, oh, wow. I'm hitting close to the mark and I'm going to be challenged physically to back off 
But my job is to help you press through from an old place to a new place. So can you allow me to be obedient to the Spirit of God this morning? All right, come on, let's stand together. I'm going to pray. If you're standing with your husband or wife, take their hand. If you're standing with your family, connect your faith. Take hold of each other's hands and join hands with each other. And you know what? We are the family of God. So if you feel like you want to join your neighbor's hands, even if you're not biologically connected, you're spiritually connected, let's do that. What I want to do this morning is by the Spirit of God, level the playing field, right? Some of us are low, we're discouraged. Some of us are high, we've seen the faithfulness of God. Some of us just don't even know where we are. We're in no man's land. This morning, I want us to join our faith because the Bible says that what we agree in heaven is agreed in earth. What we bind in earth is bound in heaven. We want to loose the faith of God. We want to unlock heaven's riches and we want life to flow here today. All right, so let's pray. Father, I thank you for your spirit of truth. I thank you for revelation. I thank you for transformation. I thank you for implementation of truth. And Father, I thank you that your word tells us that it's not by might or by power, but it's by your spirit. And so I ask that your spirit would come this morning and it would take inhabitation with us, that it would live in us, that it would move in us, that it would shape us and shift us and form us and forge us, Lord God, and cause us to become all that you want us to be. I thank you that the word is truth and it's living and it's quick and it's powerful. Lord God, it cuts away soulish life and makes us alive to spirit. And so this morning I ask that you would make us alive to spirit. I thank you that the word tells us that the entrance of the word brings light. And so I speak light into every dark place right now. I bind the spirit of discouragement and offense and I loose faith in your people. And we give you praise this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you may be seated. So buckle up, get ready. <laughs> I was very, if, if you know me, you know that I have a, a definite desire to see people empowered. One of the things that grieves my heart the most is to see someone who's a victim. I've given my life to help people that they don't have to be victim to sickness, depression, disease, chaos, any type of corruption. It's, it's, it's just, it's part of who I am. And you look at me and you think, wow, she's so confident and she's so strong. And you know what? I am. And if I deny who I am, then I deny all of what God has done for me. So I can come here and be this weak, lukewarm, half-baked woman in front of you, and I can deny everything that God has done for me and how he saved and delivered me and gave me this brand new identity in him that is full of power and life and passion, that is ability to see and decree and declare and shift and change things, or I can be a victim of my circumstances of the past. Now, I don't know which one is more appealing to you, but I quite like the confident woman who knows who she is in God, right? But that doesn't mean that I don't know that part of that is honoring the people in my life. And so I really do want to honor Pastor Jesse today, and I want to thank him for being obedient to God and allowing him to step into my grace and do what I need to do in the kingdom. So thank you, Pastor Jesse. You know, the Bible says that to whom much is given, much is required. And when you are um, a leader or a teacher, the Bible says there's a great requisite on your life. 
So if don't covet standing up here to preach because know that there's a greater accountability to God in the thing you do. So I walk in this place very conscious and very humble of that fact and in the fear of the Lord. And I love my husband and I'm just, I just am so celebrating who he is and how he's uh, just evolving and becoming who he's meant to be. We're driving here and we're praying. And I said to him, you know, you spoke this day into existence. And he says, I did. And from the moment he entered my life, he was my gift of restoration. And he quickened and brought me into that place where God had always intended for me to be. In 2007, I experienced quite a tragic event in my life. And it, uh, it, it, to the ordinary eye, it would have stripped me of all my dignity, all my pride, all my confidence, all my hope in Jesus. But God gave me a word. And he says, you will go through this fire and you will not be burned. You will go through this flood and you will not be overcome. You will go through this fire and you will not even smell like smoke. And I'm standing up today, remarried, to a man where I could have hated men for my experience. But that's God's ability to redeem and restore and buy back better than before, right? That's what he does. When he restores, the Bible says he brings back a better value, a better quality, better than before. So I just want to honor him today to be that agent of restoration in my life for obeying God and not being afraid of me Some men are afraid of me. I don't know why. <laughs> and then I want to honor my two girlfriends, Denise and Anne. They were, th when I was in the fire, they were the two people that stood in the fire with me and held my hand. And we all need friends like that. And so I just want to honor them. You know, it's so important that we develop a culture of honor in the way we relate. Children, the Bible says, honor your parents, for with long life you'll be satisfied. Wow. Satisfied, living life fully, in full measure, everything you need in that life if you honor your parents. Whenever you look throughout the Bible, and you know what, this is all free stuff now, and I haven't even gotten there yet. But wherever you look in the Bible, it's you look at honor and glory, and it's always together honor and glory honor and glory if your life is missing the glory of god go back and see where you're not honoring okay what i want you to do when god speaks truth like that and you catch it i want you to say amen or do something stand up shake her shake your hand because it tells your brain something's shifting i'm okay i won't be distracted with that i promise but this word is for you to change and shift so when, when that truth comes to you like that, just take a hold of it in a way that's going to make a memory that life has happened in you. Does that make sense? Okay. So I'm going to say to you now again, when you feel like the presence of God is not active in you and that the presence of God is not uh, a flowing in your life, go back and check where you may be defaulting in honor you're not honoring your husband, if you're not honoring your wife, if you're not honoring your children, children, if you're not honoring your parents, if your life is dry, there's rebellion, and you're feeling depressed and anxious, just go back and just check honor. 
something may be defaulting right there. And get back into position, okay? We're ready to go? All right. So James 1.21, I'm just, I brought my Bible today just because it was a little bit of separation anxiety just going to PowerPoint right away. So this is the only verse I'll read from the Bible. <coughs> and it says, Therefore, lay aside out of James 1.21, therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness. Everyone say, with meekness. The implanted word of God, which is able to save your souls. Now, how did I get here? How to receive the word of God? And why is it important? Because I said to Pastor Jesse, I said, the thing that really confounds me is John says, and you will know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And I said, Pastor Jesse, I'm so confused about this. Because I'm confused if Christians all over the world, every Sunday and every Wednesday, and depending on how many times church is happening, if they're sitting and they're hearing truth, right? How come it is that people are not free? Do you ever think like that? And yet the Bible says you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, either God's a liar. Is he a liar? So we know that God's not a liar. So if we don't go down this chain of thought and we begin to analyze this thought, then we say something's mixed up in the formula, something's messed up in the formula that the people of God that are hearing God's word and God's truth every single Sunday are not walking in freedom. Something's wrong. And so as I began to press into God and say, God, what is it? And he says, you've got to teach the people how to receive the word of God. Because James says, if you receive the word of God with meekness, then it has the power to save your souls. Hmm. So if God's word is powerful to save my soul and it's not saving me, then something's up. And I have to explore why this word is not saving me. So that's where we're going today. I'm going to teach you on how to receive the word of God. And I'm going to start from last week with Pastor Jesse's word to us, which I believe was prophetic direction to our body. Now, to tell you a little bit of what prophetic direction is. Prophetic direction is a word that God gives to his people when they're going to enter a season or enter a battle and that word is the word they've got to hang their faith on, and that word will pull them through. All right? So, so um, oh, I've got the shifter thingy. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, Pastor Jesse used this as one of his key verses last week when he says, But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their le leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Powerful scripture. And he equated that to the favor of God. That the favor of God can be with us even when it's long dry months. But our lives will always be green and it will demonstrate 
the favor of God. He talked about how the favor of God is that extraordinary grace. I don't know about you, but I need the extraordinary grace, right? So I was, I was having lunch with Terry, and we were talking about our lives and saying, God, what is your prophetic direction for us as a family? How many of you know that you have to be responsible about your own faith? Pastor Jesse's word on a Sunday is not going to carry you. Husbands and wives, you need to press into God and get prophetic direction for your family. Okay. Are we uncomfortable yet? You need to press into God and get prophetic direction for your family. So Terry said to me, Abby, I believe that this is a year of definition for us. And when he said that, my heart just leapt up. It was, yes, it's a year of definition. And I come into church last Sunday, and Pastor Jesse, who's the spiritual leader that I submit my life to, he says, this is a year of favor. He says, desire God's favor, that extraordinary grace. And immediately, my spirit is connecting the dots because I'm thinking, okay, my husband said, this is a year of definition. Pastor Jesse says, desire the favor of God. And the way my life is going to be defined is as is if this extraordinary grace comes into my life and helps me to begin to define my life the way God wants it to, defined this, to be defined this year. That makes sense, right? So I'm thinking, wow, now I got, I got the strategy, I got the grace, I got the anointing, I can do this. Doesn't matter what comes my way this year. Doesn't matter if there's going to be dry months. It doesn't matter if I'm going to be financially stressed at some point. It doesn't matter if I get a cold and it's going to last five days this, this month or this year. I know this, that if I trust God and I put my hope in him, then my life is going to be a green tree even though everything around me is desert. So this is how we, we, we lock into God's word we load it in our spirits, and we walk it out every single day. Can I stop now? We should go home. It's good stuff, hey? All right. So then, oh, no going back. No going back. He talked about the princi principles of stewardship, and he says that faith, obedience, responsibility, trust, and increase becomes this, the, the, the principles of stewardship. And he used the scripture out of Matthew, and he says, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have abundance. Everyone say abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now, I can tell you this. When you look at my life and you go, wow, Abby, you this this green tree and Pastor Jesse so was so gracious in honoring me and saying that, that the words that I speak are so powerful and that there's a favor on my life. But I can guarantee you this, church, that that has come with a cost. And that cost has been me holding God onto God in faith through the darkest times of my life. Not saying, where are you, God? Why did you do this to me? I thought I was your child. I, didn't, I never go, went there. The cost was faith. The cost was responsible, uh, responsibility where I had to respond to God's instruction to my life even when it cost me. Even when it cost me my comfort, sometimes I felt 
like I was going insane. Cost me my sanity. But I had to lose the way I thought to gain the way he thinks. Okay, so hold on to that too. And I had to trust him. We heard that come out of our prayer this morning that we would trust the Lord with all our hearts and not lean not on our own understanding in all our ways acknowledge him and that he's going to direct our path. And out of that place has come the increase. Bible says if we use what God's given us, he will give us 30, 60, and 100-fold increase. My goal is not to settle for the 30% of God's wisdom or the 60% of God's wisdom. My goal is to go for the 100. My goal is to go for the grace so I don't obey him shallowly or half-heartedly. I don't lock into his instruction into my life like, mm, maybe, maybe today I'll obey that word. No, when God says, desire my favor, all Terry and I have done this week is like, God, we thank you for your favor. See, when you trust the word of God like that and you desire his favor, he has a way of taking your work application, like if you're applying for a job and there's 50 applications, he has a way of taking it from the bottom of the pile and bringing it to the top of the pile. And then you get called in and say, hmm, there's a job waiting for you. You're trying to get into university and there's 200 applicants. God has a way because of the favor of God, because you've locked into that word, because you believe it, he has a way of taking you from the back of the line and putting you up in the front of the line. Otherwise, why desire his favor? Okay, so increase comes. How many of you know this story in the Bible? King Jehoshaphat, one of the, the, the mightiest kings, has obeyed God, begins to start putting everything in order. Israel was in chaos. He starts putting everything into order and, and alignment with God's word. And then one morning, three armies are coming against them, and they surround it. And Jehoshaphat thinks, I, what do I do? And he seeks God. And he tells people, we're going to worship, we're going to fast, we're going to pray. And Jehaziel, who was the prophet, the anointing and the presence of God came on him. And he stands up and he says to Israel, the battle is not yours, the battle is the Lord's. Now, look at what, what uh, uh, King Jehoshaphat says. He says, early the next morning, the army of Judah went in out into the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, listen to me, you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you will stand firm. Everyone say stand firm. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. So this is King Jehoshaphat. He didn't have a word for his people. But the prophet arose and he says, this is not your battle. It's God's battle. You show up there at the battlefield. The battle is yours. King Jehoshaphat, doesn't, he's not embarrassed. He's not saying, oh my gosh, I was the king. I should have got this word. He, say, he stands up and he instructs Israel and he says, I want you to get into position and believe the prophets and you will stand firm and you will succeed. And so that's what prophetic direction does. It causes us to stand firm and it causes us to succeed. I believe what Pastor Jesse said to us last week was desire the favor of God. Even Jesus grew in favor 
with God and with man. That as a body, we will grow in the favor of God. That means whatever call, whatever assignment is on us, that there is going to be such an extraordinary grace that we will get to do everything we need to do. And so I'm going to speak to you now. Now I'm going uh, to afflict you. I'm going to tell you now that it is when we are trusting God and taking him at his word like this, then the, the elders of this church should never stand up here and say to us, we need more craft dinner. I want you to hear by the Spirit this morning. Because if God has given that to us as a, an assignment to have craft dinner to feed the, the young people from the high school, and we've taken that at, at, at God's word, we've taken that instruction, and we're desiring the favor of God, and the extraordinary grace is coming upon us, right? That means we're going to obey, we're going to respond body and financially. We're just going to show up and obey God. All right. So part of what my job to do in the body is to correct things that are out of alignment. So when I speak like that, it's to bring things into alignment. Okay? Do you get what I'm saying? If we're taking the truth, if we're taking the prophetic direction that God's giving us, and we are pulling it into our lives in a meaningful way, then it's going to change how we behave. Next week, we're going to talk about how when we hear the word of God and we don't obey it, it's like a man looking in the mirror and walking away and forgetting what he sees. Ooh, I don't know if I want to live my faith like that, church. I don't know if I want to deceive myself like that. To sit here and say, wow, yes, Abby, amen. And five minutes later, walk out of here and forget the word of God and never imply it, apply it in my life and never change. I don't want to be that type of Christian. Okay, moving right along, Abby. <laughs> so here's the scripture then that Jesus, says uh, Jesus turned to the Jews who had claimed to believe in him. If you stick with this, living out what I tell you, you are my disciples for sure. Then you will experience for yourself the truth, and the truth will free you or make you free or set you free, some translations say. So here's, here's the shift, church. God doesn't want us to just hear truth. God wants us to experience truth. And the way we experience truth is by, by applying truth to our lives. Okay, I'm going to say that again. God wants us, <laughs> he's starting the Mexican wave back there. <laughs> the way, God doesn't want us to just give mental assent to the truth, okay? So some people will go, I know smoking is bad. And they stand there smoking. Do they know that smoking is bad? No, because they have mental knowledge of the truth. Now, I can guarantee you, church, that that's the worst type of truth you can have because that type of truth becomes the, the playground for the enemy to mess with your mind. Because there you are, not employing the truth, not applying the truth, not implementing the truth, saying, I know the truth, and the enemy goes, ha, okay, here's my opportunity because I 
walk around like a roaring lion, seeking who I can devour. And this person thinks they know the truth. They act like they know the truth, but they're not experiencing the truth, so I can actually deceive them. Church, I'm preaching better than you're amening. then you will experience for yourself. Man, if, if I can feel the heart of the Holy Spirit for us this morning, is that we, he wants us to experience for ourselves this truth that will make us free. The church that is a threat to the kingdom of darkness is a church that walks in the experiential truth of God. Okay, Timothy says this. So what I'm doing is creating a foundation for you why it's so important that you receive the truth of God the right way, the word of God the right way. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Everybody say profitable. profitable. For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped, for every good work. That means we are lacking nothing. Everything we need is in God and in his word and in his truth. And if you're running at a loss, the word of God's not profiting you. And if you want to walk down that road, you have to figure out why is the word of God not profiting me? And you can go back to that stewardship. Am I hearing God? Am I trusting him? Am I being responsible? Am I responding in obedience to his word for my life? <coughs> Second Peter says this, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need. Everybody say everything. everything. Let's say it one more time. Everything. everything. What does everything mean? Everything. Okay, yeah. So when the enemy comes and lies to you and say, oh, you're not good enough, or he doesn't like you, you're not his blue-eyed child. Guess what? I'm not blue-eyed and blonde-haired, and he blesses me anyway. It's because I take him at his word, people. Okay, so by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Man, when people tell me it's so hard to be a Christian, I want to take you and lock myself with you in a room for a week. Because I know that with God's help, I can shift you. Abby can move a few people physically. I grew up with six brothers, so I know how to fight dirty. <laughs> but beyond that, spiritually, the experiential truth of God has the power to transform you. That's what his word says. I believe it. Call me stupid, but I believe him when he says something to me. He doesn't have to prove himself over and over and over. My goodness, he died for me. He cleansed me. He saved me. He took me out of darkness. He brought me into light. He, he wiped away my old DNA and gave me a whole new nature. So if my family was all screwed up and messed up, 
and manipulative and depressed and anxious, guess what? I'm no longer of that lineage. I've been given a divine nature. I've been transformed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. I'm a new creation. All things have passed away. It's behind me. Behold, look, says the Spirit of God. All things are new before me. Woo! I'm just having a Holy Ghost party up here by myself. <laughs> so by his divine nature, God has given us everything we need for living godly. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, has given us great and precious promises. Everybody say great and precious promises. Not mediocre. Not mediocre. Great and precious promises. Great and precious promises. The Bible says that he wants to throw us beyond our ability. He wants to throw us beyond our ability. And you know what the wild thing about this church is that when, when, when the Bible says, when I've worked so hard and I've, I've given all I've got and I've done everything I know to do and I've just keep giving, and I think I'm just going to give up. <coughs> and I'm in that spot where I'm going to give up. Guess what he tells us? Guess what he tells us? He says, when you're weak, then I'm strong. And my job is to make you look good when you're weak. Because then you stop living from yourself and for yourself. And you start living unto me and for me and through me and by me. That's how you live. And so when you feel like you're coming to the end of yourself, Celebrate. Don't have a pity party. Tell your neighbor, don't have a pity party. When you're feeling that weakness come upon your church, stop. Stop. Stop acting like you're a victim. Stop acting like you don't know who you are. If ever you need to act like you know who you are is in that moment. Because when you're weak, then he's strong. And the Bible says that the glory of his excellence be shown because he wants to throw us. The Greek word there is to throw us beyond our natural ability. Woo! I know that in my natural strength, I have so much energy. But when his grace and his favor comes into my life and takes me farther than I'm able to go on my own, man, I don't know who doesn't want that type of gas in their lives. Woo, glory Jesus. <laughs> And because of his glory and excellence has given us great and precious promises that are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desire. Wow. Wow. If you can ever see the James says this, that we have desire as human beings. And when desire conceives, it bears forth fruit. And that fruit is sin. And sin alienates you from the divine nature and the precious promises. And that's why I want to be staying in that place of wonderment. Of wonderment. God, you said desire your favor, I desire your favor. You say, go heal, pray for the sick, I go pray for the sick. You say, bake that chocolate cake and take it to my neighbor, I'm going to do that. I'm not going to argue with this favor. 
I'm not going to argue with this grace. I'm not going to argue with this truth. And the oil of God comes into your life. And then he makes your yoke easy. And your burden light. And your tree is green. And everybody else is like, life is so hard. So hard to be a Christian. And you go, hey, come on with me. Let's go for coffee. I've got something to tell you. It's not, it's not hard. That's a lie. If I can ship, shift your faith this morning, shift that perception. It's not hard, church. The Bible says that in this world we will have tribulation, right? The Bible tells us that even the, 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 the righteous, gonna, we're going to suffer the same thing. But we will triumph over them all. That's what his word tells us. So as Christians, we don't live our lives to avoid circumstances and trouble. We live our lives in a way that we can grab God's truth and apply it to a problem, see it redeemed, and move on. It's hard when you don't know how to grab God's truth and apply it to your life's problem and move on. Because somehow you think that as a Christian, you're exempt from hardship. Your job is to know how to take life and apply it to your life, even when life is hard. <sighs> okay. In view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. That's what I've been trying to tell you. Make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous uh, provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. So God's giving us the line upon line, precept upon precept way to live successfully with him. Okay, so if you're on overload, just raise your hand and I'll know. Because I would rather you go home now than me finish the sermon and you forget what I say. <laughs> I know I'm so serious about this. Okay, I'm going. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of Jesus Christ. Man, that's the type of Christians. Thank you. That's the type of Christians the world is looking for. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of Jesus Christ. The worst type of Christian is the one who thinks, I know what he's saying, and goes off and does it, and offends everyone around them. Because when you offend them in the name of Jesus, they don't get offended with you. Do you know who they get offended with? They get offended with Jesus. And you become a stumbling stone, a stumbling block. That's, oh, so sad. It's never the messenger that people are offended with. They're offended with the message. And if you are inappropriately conveying that message because you're not maturing and growing in the knowledge of who you are in Christ and you're immature in your delivery, then the it says the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful. That's the type of Christians we want to be, productive and useful. 
Everybody say productive and useful. And until you get there, shut up. Oh, I, I, I'm so serious and I say that in love. Don't hurt people's faith. Don't blight their faith. Don't harm them. God. They're little babe, they're little embryos. They haven't even experienced this life in Jesus yet. And, and because we're unfruitful and unproductive, and we're not useful in the knowledge because we, 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 we pretending like we know it, and we don't really know it. Uh, am I speaking truth here this morning? Okay. Uh, we want to be an effective body, right? We want to be that body that the favor of God rests on because Pastor Jesse talked last week. If we're not doing what God wants us to do, then our lampstand is going to be removed. And our lampstand means that light, that, 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 that power, that flame, that influence that we need to be in this area, it's going to, we're going to lose it. And then it will be like what Jesus talked to them in the, in the, in, in the, in the New Testament. It's like, you whitewashed sepulchers, you stiff-necked people. Because that's what we'll be. We'll just be a whitewashed sepulcher. We'll be just be a place where people meet, but we won't have the power to transform lives. And we want that influence of God here, right? Okay. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind. See, I'm a little bit lighter on you. Look at what this says. Short-sighted and blind. Forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So dear brothers and sisters, work hard. Everybody say work hard. Yeah, prove that you're really among those whose God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay, so before we fall into any theological error here, I'm not saying that you have to work for your salvation. Okay, because that's what it says. Work hard to prove that you're really among. It says... Live a disciplined life. That's what disciples, d a disciple is a disciplined one. Te disciplined by the teachings of Christ, okay? So that's why we work hard. We're not working for our salvation because it's a free gift to us. But we work hard to walk in love, to listen, to obey, to respond, to, to love those who are not lovable to reach out to those who get under our skin, but we're going to defy that feeling because we're working hard to cooperate with the spirit of truth and the grace of God in our lives. Yeah? Okay. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between the soul and the spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. The message translation says, as God means what he says. What he says goes. Hey, come on, parents in the house. How many times have I heard that? This is my house. If you're living in my house, then you're going to do what I tell you to do. Oh, you guys are just so much better than I am. <laughs> but even if we don't say that, isn't that a general expectation of how we expect our children to be in our home, right? But this is God's house. Guess what? Your opinion does not matter. Woo, Abby. Your opinion doesn't matter. Sobering, huh? Because the God, see, you can have opinion and you can have opinions, but there's only one wisdom. And the Bible says that the wisdom of the Lord will build his house. 
so our opinions don't count. I'm thinking all the leaders should be shouting, hallelujah, way to go, Abby. <laughs> so God means what he says, what he says goes. And you know what? It's so much easier when you just do that. Children, when your parents talk to you, it's so much easier. Life is hard, man. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. <laughs> I remember transgressing the laws in my home. That was hard. <laughs> but so what he says goes. You guys are not laughing at me, right? So <laughs> His word is powerful. It's sharp as a surgeon's scalpel, cutting through everything, whether doubt or defense, laying us open to listen and obey. Ah, this is so powerful. Nothing and no one is impervious to God's word. We can't get away from it no matter what. <laughs> David says, if I run to the hills, you're there. <laughs> if I make my bed in hell, you're there. <laughs> it's everywhere. We can't escape it, so we might as well just go with it. Huh? I always say to my clients, man, when, when you're coming into a new place and there's this contraction coming on your life, if you resist the contraction, you're going to harm yourself and you're going to harm that new life. See, women that have given birth, you know what I'm talking about. So when that contraction comes, you just cooperate with it. Cooperate with that grace. And even when the pain is intense and you're losing focus and the man that you love is in the room and you tell him, get out of the room because women lose focus in that place of transition and you cooperate with the grace and all of a sudden you hear this baby's cry and it's brand new life and all that pain is forgotten. God wants to bring us to a new place, church. And sometimes the pain of formation seems so overwhelming. And I'm going to say to you by the Spirit of God this morning that you cooperate with it. Oh, find joy in it. Jesus, with all joy, went to the cross. Man, he was being whipped. He was being spat upon. The crown of thorns was being shoved down on his head. And even in that moment, he found joy. Because he knew that if I could just get to the cross, and if I could just give out my life, then what men thought by killing one man, they would forget, Corinthians says, that this man would die but his spirit would be raised up and that same spirit would now live in thousands and millions of people all across the planet. Mind-blowing stuff. There's so many people waiting on the other side of our, obe our obedience. I can tell you that in all vulnerability today, I had said after my tragedy, in 2007, because there's no other word to put on it than that, is that I will never preach again. That's what I said. I said I would never preach again. And I would not, not that I lost faith in God, but I said I would never preach again. I would preach outside, I would do seminars, I would speak to everybody else, but don't get me in the church preaching again to what I believe sometimes we need to have over, this over our doors, adult nursery. And I'm speaking this in love because we just hand you warm bottles every Sunday 
and you want to stay babies, and God wants you to become mature sons and daughters of God. The Bible says the whole earth is groaning. The earth is groaning for the mature sons and daughters of God to rise up. Those that are useful and productive in their faith. Not those that get offended because you didn't look at them this Sunday. Or those that think, you don't love me because you didn't call me this week. Or you, you forgot my child's birthday and so I'm not talking to you for the next two months. People, that's immaturity. That's unproductive and unuseful. And people are waiting on the other side of our, be our obedience. You are waiting for me to obey, to the obey the Spirit of God. You are waiting for me to say yes, to accept this call to minister to you. Because I have something that you need. And I don't say that in arrogance. I say that because I know what God has put inside of me. And I know that he says in his word that I will give you treasures out of darkness. And what you see here is a treasure that has come out of darkness. The darkest, darkest, darkest place. And when that, but if you don't cooperate with God's process, if you don't work with that contraction, you compromise your life, you compromise your faith, you compromise your calling. And those who are waiting on the other side of obedience, your obedience to hear your voice, to respond to truth, will not hear truth unless you get your poop in a group and get your act together and get back on track and refocus and lock into the spirit of truth and revelation. You gotta lock and load, people. You gotta not look to the left or look to the right. You gotta keep your eyes fixed on the prize that is set before you and run this race with all patience and diligence. See, this is that intense part of me, right? But I'm okay, I really am. I still love you. Jesus confirmed his point about the words of God. And he says this, the words that I speak to you are spirit and life. How many of you feel the life of God in you this morning? Right? The words of God are spirit and they're life. Now, there's logos, which is the written word, and there's rhema in the Greek, which is the spoken word. Right? This is what, I, look at this. This to me kind of shifted me the last two weeks after Pastor Jesse spoke to me. It's like, oh my God, <laughs> I wake up and my spirit is just so big. And every day I think I can't handle any more revelation, more comes in. And I'm thinking, okay, I've got to get this out. I've got to give it to them because it's going to kill me. All right, so Matthew says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out, the, out of the mouth of God. So you remember the story when Jesus is being tempted by the enemy. And he goes, he says, hey, okay, hang on here, dude. Man shall not, because the enemy is trying to say, hey, turn the stones into bread because you've been fasting for 40 days. Eat. And he says, you don't understand something. You don't understand something about me. Is that I don't just read the word of God like it's just flat and one-dimensional. 
hey, I don't just look at it as words written by any great man. I look at it and it's like, wow, man shall not live by bread alone. And Jesus is walking in this revelation. And he says, but man lives by every revelatory word of God. Woo! That's why you can go to God's word and read it one day and it says one thing and you read it the next day and it says something totally different to you because it's ministering to your need. That's revelatory. It's revelation. It's progressive revelation working its way in you. Powerful. So Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of God's word. Today, you're hearing the word of God and it's a rhema word. I know this because I'm restless in the spirit unless I obey him. And a rhema word is current to a situation. It is timely. It's extremely valuable. It's God's solution. Whew, how many of you have been in that place where you've been waiting for a word and you've been waiting for a word and you read a scripture and all of, you, all of a sudden you go, oh my God, that's it. That's the rhema. That's when the spirit of God breathes into the logos and it comes alive. It jumps off the pages. And it's alive and it's living. A rhema word is transformative. It transforms you. You know, unless you're dead today, you won't shift. The only reason you won't change or shift, even if it's just a fraction, is if you're dead. Because the word of a rhema word is supposed to shift and transform. And it renews you. Okay, so here is our initial verse that we started with. And it says, so get rid of uncleanness, the rampant outgrowth of wickedness, and in a humble, gentle, modest spirit, receive and welcome the word which implanted and rooted in your hearts contains the power to save you. Now, I've got maybe 20 other slides that I'm not going to get to. I'm going to stop here today. But I want to just linger here for just a little bit. So he says, get rid of uncleanness. Get rid of the rampant outgrowth of wickedness. And in a humble, gentle, modest spirit. That's how we're to receive the word of God. I can guarantee you this. When Pastor Jesse or anyone else stands up here to deliver the word of God. And you're sitting there and you're saying, oh, I heard that before. Oh, this is nothing new. Hmm. I heard that TV evangelist, and he spoke that word much better than what they're speaking up here. Do you think that you're receiving the word in a gentle, modest spirit? And do you think that the word that's being delivered will have the power to save your soul or change your life if you're receiving the word of God like that? So that's how we position ourselves. Terry and I, before we get to church on a Sunday, we're praying. Father, you know what we need today. We're so different from everybody in the body. We, you know what we need today. And we need to hear you. And so we pray and we stop. We pray for our children and then we're already positioning ourselves. Before we even sit down in that seat, we're positioning ourselves to receive God's word. And you know what? What's the difference? I was thinking about it this morning as I was getting ready. God often speaks to me in the toilet. Anybody who knows me from the past will know. So here I am being vulnerable again. I'm in the bathroom. And God's speaking to me. 
and he said, and, and uh, I make this ginger ale punch, and everybody loves it. But every time I've asked someone to make it, they'll take the uh, cranberry concentrate and they'll start pouring water in the can. And I'm like, what are you doing? They go, T it, it requires three cans of water. And then we put the ginger ale in. I go, no, no, no. In this house, there's no water. It's straight up ginger ale. We're not diluting this thing. <laughs> I was thinking about that this morning. And I was thinking, you know, that's how you can receive the word of God. You can receive it full strength. And when someone drinks from your life, you go, they go, wow, that's powerful. <laughs> I want what you have. <laughs> how can I get what you have? Or you can do the three cans of water thing, then try and add the ginger ale, and try and make it look all right. And then they taste from your life and they go, um, who did you say you are again? So they're tasting from your life and they're confused. Guess what? I'm confused. When you don't receive the word of God in a way that's full strength, the power to transform, then you'll live a compromised life. Always. May look red and bubbly, <coughs> but you won't carry the power. You won't contain the grace. You won't have that unconditional love in the measures and strength that God desires for us. Stand with me. See, I wasn't lying. There's quite a bit here. I want to get right to the end. We'll come back to that next week, okay? This morning, you've received some information. This is, how, this is how revelation and truth gets integrated in our life, and I want to show you this. So we receive information. Every time you read a Christian book or listen to a preacher speak or whatever, you receive information. A lot of people go from conference to conference to conference, and they come back and they have all of this information, and you look at their lives and you go, um... Your life, the Bible says, is a, li a living epistle read by men. And you've gone to all these conferences and this word hasn't transformed you. So I'm not so sure I'm <laughs> hooking up with that word. I'm not so sure I'm buying into that word. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I call those people seekers in of information. They want to be the people that say, I know that. I know that. You open your mouth to speak life and they go, I know that. When I'm around those people, I shut up. Because life is valuable. I don't just speak it. But then there's seekers of truth. And they'll hear it anywhere. And they'll grab onto it. And they'll want to change. When I was studying, there's a, a therapy called mindfulness therapy. Anybody heard of that? Of mindfulness therapy? It's, it's from the Buddhism faith. But... It's about teaching people how to just accept things for what they are in their lives. Not trying to judge it or figure it out, but just be at peace with it. When I first started listening to it, the religious Abby, and I kill her daily, she's trouble. <laughs> the religious Abby is trouble. She's full of rules and regulations, and she suffocates the life of God out of me. 
And immediately she says, that's Buddhism. You can't be taking a hold of that. And I go, but God, truth, who's truth? Who is truth? Jesus, the Bible says he is the spirit of truth and revelation. And guess what? Truth transcends generations. So guess what? Three generations ago, if you went to the top of a five-story building and jumped, you go splat. Three, now into the third generation, into the future, you go to a fifth-story building and jump, and you're going to go splat. Why? Because the law of gravity hasn't changed. <laughs> it's truth. It transcends generations. Okay? And then I got to thinking, but if you're the spirit of truth, and they copying truth, where is truth? And then I had this aha moment in my spirit where Paul says, I have learned in whatever state I am in to be content. <laughs> Woo! So then the ancient of days spoke to me and says, this mindfulness therapy, it's okay. Just They just borrowed some stuff from me. You can use it. <laughs> See, church, what I'm talking to you about is that when you know who you are and when you know truth, and truth is what I call an antivirus, if you've got so much of truth in you and when infection, whether it's mental, physical, emotional, infection wants to attach itself to you, the spirit of truth is that antivirus. And it says, nope, lies, wrong, not part of your identity, shove it off. It becomes that resistant force inside of you. That's why it's important for you to be able to receive the word of God full strength. You all tracking with me? I'm going somewhere. So truth then we get information, and we're all like, wow, this is so cool. Did you hear her speak with that African accent? And she was telling us stuff from the word of God and giving us a whole bunch of information. Then the next one is illumination. Then the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, breathes in on the words that I'm speaking, this information I'm giving you, and it illuminates. Suddenly, what was in the darkness, or a little bit in the gray area, gets pulled into the light. Then it's revelation. Then my spirit knows this is truth. Can't be shaken out of me, right? Unless I willfully choose to disobey it, yeah? <coughs> this is where the power comes. The power comes is information, light is on the word. The Bible says that he desires truth in our inward parts. The entrance of the word brings light. So we're there. And then revelation is like, man, that's what I've been needing my whole life. Revelation. And without this, I'm going to stay the same person. Then I start to do. I begin to implement, right? And then it gets integrated into my life. That people don't know where this truth and life starts and where Abby starts. Because it is in me. It's woven into me. You touch me, it comes out of me. You speak to me, it comes out of me. You see me, it comes out of me. That's God's intent for us. How many of you want to live like that? How many of you want to live like that? Okay, so today, <coughs> you position yourself. And I'm going to pray. Right? I'm going to pray for the anointing of God to come. And the Bible says <coughs> that the anointing destroys the yoke. And while I'm praying, I want that young lady who's going to be working in mental health, I want you to come up front. 
And I know I'm putting you in a hot spot, but I want you to just trust God now. Okay? Okay, everybody, do you know how we receive? How do you receive? Somebody's giving you a gift, how do you receive? Okay, do that. That's your act of faith, okay? That's going to be the conduction point of his grace in your life. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so I want you to start focusing on the Holy Spirit and his work. Just lock into Jesus now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, today, we're just humbled by your truth. We humble by how much you love us and how you orchestrate life, Lord, and how you find ways to get it to us. I thank you, Lord, that you're so tired of where we are and you want to shift us to where you want us to be. And so, Father, today, in the name of your son, Jesus, and through the finished work of the cross, I release the anointing of God over your lives now to break you out of every place that you've been trapped in in your mind will and emotions every place you have felt stuck in i break that yoke off of your life now and i loose you and i let you go into the fullness of truth i pray that life will be integrated into you and that you will become a living epistle read of men that you will when people see you they'll see jesus when they see you they'll see love when they see you they'll see truth I bless your people to prosper in this word. I thank you that your word tells us that if we believe in the prophets, we shall be established. And if we believe in the prophets, we will have success. We want to be useful and productive believers in the kingdom. We bless you for this now, in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you have had um, mental health issues and God's freed you? Okay, can you guys come up here for a second? God saved you and delivered you. You've been depressed. You've been anxious. You've, you've struggled with depression. And God's just transformed your life. So I want you to look at them. Are they scary? <laughs> no, and this is, this is an example of what I want to show you what happens. We get called into an arena we're not familiar with, and we say we're afraid. Yeah? But God is with you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. When light goes into darkness, darkness cannot get any darker. You get that? It has to shift. And so these people are demonstrations of God's grace, of deliverance and healing. You're not just a nurse. You're a nurse who knows Jesus. That means you don't function like the other nurses who are afraid of going into mental health. You get it? So now we're going to just pray for that grace to come upon you. All of your brothers and sisters are going to gather around you because the restoration that's in their lives, God has that same desire for everyone you will come into contact with in mental health. You get that? Isn't that cool? Does that shift you in the way you're looking at your assignment now? Awesome. You guys come in faith. Let's, let's believe. And if any one of you feel led to pray, then pray over her, okay? Thank you, Jesus.